Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Joining me on the podcast now is Joe Giulio. He does evening radio in Philly for Sports Radio WIP. Joe, what's going on? Thanks for joining me. You got it, man. Happy to be here. Excited to talk some baseball. Are you, you made it through, because you do radio, sports radio. So you made it through almost five months of, of nothingness. How, how, how was that? Uh, it was interesting. Um, look, you know, if you ask me in, in March, it's like, do you think you guys be okay? Your show would be okay, you know, four or five months without a live sporting event. I would have probably said, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, just kind of took it day by day and we created things to talk about. And, well, you know, what? every day we figure out something to, uh, to create four hours of, of content over. So uh, it was actually, in a lot of ways, it was fun, but uh, I am ready now. I'm ready for sports to come back. Definitely. Are, are Philly fans most looking forward to baseball season or are they just itching for Eagles to come back? Well, it's always Eagles first here in Philadelphia, but but there are there's a lot of Phillies optimism, um, a lot of Phillies intrigue with the change at managers, some uh, additions they made in the starting rotation, shortstop. I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, so look, the Phillies two years in a row, they were right there, whether it be first place or, or a wild card spot through about 60 games of the season. Even you know two years ago, they were um, in first place into August. So it's a team that has gotten people's attention early in seasons the last couple of years. Then they've fallen off. And, uh, and you know, I think the short season actually in a way helps them. Yeah, so you think they're built for about a 60-game sprint? 
I do. Um, I, I don't think they have the depth of you know teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Astros or the Rays. But but I do think they have some high end players. You know Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Aaron Nola. If they could keep their best players healthy and get a lot out of them, uh, you know, get hot starts from those guys. Yeah, I think I think they could you know contend and, and maybe you know be right there with the best teams in in the league just because they don't have to worry about you know kind of the marathon it's, it's more of a sprint for them yeah that's sort of the thing because you could say that about like seven or eight teams I, I think around baseball is that oh they could be good for about 60 games whereas like the angels are a prime example of that they have mike trout they they just signed uh rendon and it's like that team is never going to make it through 162 games but who knows maybe we'll see mike trout in the playoffs this year yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, Shohei Otani healthy. So, like, yeah, teams like that, and, and obviously Joe Madden, which is uh, a manager switch just like the Phillies made. I mean, you, you can you can almost make the case for, I don't know, 20 of the 30 teams, maybe 23 of the 30 teams. Like, you can close your eyes and say, yeah, I could see them in the playoffs. I could see them right there in the last two weeks of the season. I, I'll put it this way. If the Phillies are not right there within a couple games of a playoff spot, whether it be the NL East or one of the two wild cards with a couple weeks to go, um, it, it's a problem. I mean, it, it really, it would be disappointing because in a year like this, that they, they should be able to stay afloat and, and have a real chance to, you know, contend for the playoffs. Yeah. I guess that's the, the thing about the NL East though, is four out of the five teams are, you could argue playoff teams. So it's, a, it's like a really tough road, especially when they have to play the Yankees this year, they have to play the Rays who are pretty good. I mean, the Red Sox can mash. So, I mean, that 60 games is going to be difficult for all the teams in the NL East. Yeah, I actually think, and, you know, when, before everything happened in March and, and the season, uh, you know, went to a different direction, you know, I, I would have guessed one or maybe both of the uh, NL wild cards would have come from the NL East just because those teams are, are really good. But the more I think about it and the way the schedule breaks down, where you're really only playing your division, and then obviously the NL East will play the AL East, I, I could see a scenario where only one NL East team that goes to the playoffs, the division winner, because you go to the central. I mean, those teams get to play. I think the Cubs are, are kind of on the downturn and I think the pirates are bad. The NL West, I think the Rockies are bad. The giants are bad. And the Padres haven't had a winning season in a long time. Even though there's some talent there. I mean, I, I think there's just a, a better chance. Wild cards come from the, from the other divisions because they have a bad team or two in there. And there's bad teams on the other side, like the, you know, the brewers will play the tigers a bunch of times. Look at that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, in the NL East, I, I really think it's going to be a gauntlet where four teams are fighting maybe for just one playoff spot. Yeah, that's something I'm still trying to wrap my mind around is the fact that you're competing, if you're the Phillies, you're competing for a wild card spot with the teams in the NL Central and the NL West, but you don't play them. And they have an, a much easier go of it in some cases than they do. It's just luck of the draw. I'm not complaining because I think anyone who complains about this season, I think you know you want to complain about the economic disputes that happened for two and a half months, fine. But what we're actually getting a 60-game season, I feel like there's a lot of fun possibilities. Oh, I mean, there are. And I think the coolest part is going to be how much every game matters. You know, in the, and I'm a, I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport. But even, even I feel it sometimes, you know, you get excited in April, but then by mid-May, it's tough to get it's tough to get emotional about a game because you think there's so, many, there's so much baseball about it. Oh, great. The Marlins are coming now. to town again. It's like, who cares? Right. Right. But now, I mean, uh, I saw an article this morning by Jason Stark over the athletic and, um, he did the math that, I mean, almost any of us could have done, but he articulated it. Every game is worth 2.7 games. I mean, almost every game mm -hmm. is worth three games, yeah. um, with the way a 60 game season goes. So 
like just think about this weekend, opening weekend. Uh, the Phillies struggled last year against the Marlins. I, I'd imagine they'd be better this year against them, but they struggled against them last year. And, and there was a series last year at home in Philadelphia in June where they got swept by the Marlins. Like if that happened this coming weekend, if that happened when, you know, opening weekend of the season, you know, or for any team, like that's like going zero and nine. Like you you get swept opening weekend, it's the equivalent of zero and nine. That's that's a really big deal, and I think that there should be a sense of urgency for the players, but also us as fans watching. There's going to be even more like, wow, this matters a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm excited about that. And for the Phillies, you mentioned new manager Joe Girardi, new shortstop Gregorius, new number two pitcher Zach Wheeler. So that that team, you know, had a lot of expectations. Do you think the the shutdown hurt them more than some other teams or did it could it have possibly helped them? Because, you know, when you have so many new pieces getting on the same page and getting familiar with each other takes some time and they don't have time this year. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a couple of those names you brought up. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll start with Girardi because I'm a big Joe Girardi fan. I thought he was an excellent Yankees manager and and I think he's going to end up being a good Phillies manager. But I do think, you know, the impact a manager can have, everyone has a different feel on that. You know, whether, what is a good manager at? Maybe five wins, maybe seven. Um, You know, there's no right answer to this. But in a 60-game season, it's obviously less. Like, he can impact less games strategically that he can, you know, make a great move or or pull a pitcher at the right time, and it it really swings the game. So that hurts because you have less games of Joe Girardi managing. Um, And then the other guys, I mean, I... CD is, is fascinating to me because, you know, you go back to 17, 18, the guy was as productive as, you know, a top five is shortstop in terms of production. And last year off of Tommy John, you know, it, he, he wasn't good. And it was a one year deal for him. He's trying to rebuild his value and uh, hit at another good hitters park at citizens bank park. I don't know what to expect from DD. What, what I remember him with the Yankees is he's very streaky when, when he hits, you know, he could hit, as good as anyone on the Yankees for, for three weeks and carry the team. And then he goes in a slump. So this year, I mean, that's, that's a big chunk of the season. And then when it comes to Zach Wheeler, I, I mean, I, I think he's good, not great. I think it's always paid for hoping with the idea that he'd be more consistent. But the thing I keep bringing up here when we talk about Zach Wheeler is he's a second half pitcher. I mean, his ERA is in the second half of the last two years under two in the first half over four. So uh, is it a calendar thing for him? Because then he's going to be good, right? It's July, August, September. Or does he need to get into a rhythm? And if that's the case, uh, that's a problem because the season will be over before Zach Wheeler you know, starts pitching well. Right. Does he just like the warm weather? Then perfect. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Didi, I, I, if you had asked me at the end of 2018, I would have thought there's no chance Didi is not a Yankee in 2020. I thought they would have signed him to a long-term deal. It just fell apart so quickly with a lot of different things, including the emergence of Glaber Torres. So, you know, I think that definitely hurt him. But I think Philly fans are going to love him. Yankees fans loved him. He was, he's very charismatic. He does a lot off the field. He's very outspoken in a good way. And and Girardi loves Didi. And I noticed he was hitting third in the lineup in that exhibition game the other night, or last night. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to stick throughout the season, but Girardi loves Didi. Yeah, well, I remember uh, was it 2017 ALDS when they upset the uh, the Indians. I mean, that's when the kind of this Yankees team came to age, and and Didi was a three hitter. You know, in a lineup that had Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez. It was Didi, and it's a big home run off of Kluber uh, over in Cleveland. So, I mean, the guy can hit when he's healthy, and and he's true when he's got pop. Um, I, I just. I don't know what to expect. I like the player. I like the signing. I was pushing for the signing for the Phillies. I just never know what to expect when, when 
offensive players when hitters go through Tommy John surgery. I mean, it's been a weird, you, know, you go back and look at some of the names, um, Kendrys Morales, and he never really was the same again. Uh, Matt Wieters was never really a, a good offensive player again after Tommy John. It's, it's something that we would think shouldn't affect these guys because it's not really like, you know, you're not a pitcher, you're not throwing a hundred times a game, but it's hit or miss. Offensive players get Tommy John and sometimes they're never quite the same. So I, I hope he is what he was a couple of years ago. I, I just don't know. But as far as the personality thing, I, I think you're right. Philadelphia's going to like this guy. And you mentioned Wheeler kind of hoping what he can be. And I feel like that's what they did with Arietta too when they signed him. Oh, yeah, which has turned out to be a disaster. Um, Just terrible, you know, terrible contract. Oh, and it could have been worse. I actually give the Phillies credit, even though it was bad, because when he hit free agency that year, and he was coming off, um, and he kind of came back down to earth his last year in Chicago, but obviously at one point he was you know, right there with Kershaw as the best pitcher in baseball for a little bit. And when he hit free agency, I remember Scott Boris talking about $150 million, $200 million, and I give the Phillies credit. I mean, they waited him out. They, they realized the market really wasn't there for him. And they got him at 375. I mean, it was not a, a contract that was going to cripple them. But even that, he hasn't been worth it. He's basically been an average yeah. big league pitcher for two years. And, and one that's had injuries. And he's, he's also prickly. Like, you know, he, his personality, he will rip his teammates. He will rip the fans. Like, Jake Arrieta, is, I will say he is not well-liked among Phillies fans. And, and people are counting down the days that that contract um, evaporates and he's gone. But, but here's the thing. They still need him. You know, mm-hmm. th- he's right in the middle of their rotation. And if they're going to be a playoff team, they, they need him to at least be what he's been, but, but probably be a little bit more and, and be a little bit above average. Otherwise, you know, the pitching's just not good enough here. That's what I was going to ask because everyone knows about Aaron Nola. He's a great pitcher and Wheeler can be a really good number two. And then what, other than Arietta, what is in that rotation? Velasquez looked good against the Yankees, but I don't know what to take from a, from a exhibition game with no fans and four outs in an inning. So, so Aaron Judge can hit a home run. So I don't know what happened there. I, I don't either. It, it's, um, it, here, I'll put it this way. I think the rotation can be okay. You know, when you add it all together, uh, the bullpen worries the heck out of me. There's very little proven out there. It's a bunch of young guys and Hector Neris. Uh, they have a kid, Spencer Howard, who is a, a prospect of theirs, uh, a top pitching prospect. I think he's going to be up and be up soon. He, he may have broke camp in April, but they, they wanted to limit his innings. And now that's not a worry anymore because, you know, there's only 60 games. So he can basically enter the rotation at any point and figure it out. But pitching is, is a real worry here. It, it, if the Phillies don't make the playoffs, it's not going to be because they don't hit. It's going to be because they don't pitch enough. And, and really the thing that we keep talking about here, and, and it's an unanswerable question until they start these games, there's a segment of the fan base who believes the young pitching here, both in the bullpen and the rotation, Eflin, uh, Velasquez, Pavetta, that they were held back by the last regime. Uh, some, the manager, Gabe Kapler, more the pitching coach and the philosophy that was here last year. So there's a lot of people who think these guys are really good, and the last regime ruined them. So the new coaching staff, Girardi and his, his new pitching coach, Brian Price, they're going to unlock these guys. I'm skeptical of that. I, I think that these are, you know, C pitching prospects, and I, I don't expect them to all of a sudden become A pitchers. I hope I'm wrong, but that that's really the intrigue of, of watching these guys now. New coaching, new philosophy. Are they going to be any better? That's a lot to put on a coaching staff. <laughs> you can't just up a guy's talent. I mean, there's certain things you can do to get the most out of them. 
But that's pretty unfair expectations, I feel like, for, for Girardi. I think one of his best assets is his bullpen management. But you still need the pieces to be able to send out to the mound. And it doesn't sound like the Phillies have the bullpen pieces. Well, you know what? I agree with you on Girardi. He's really good at that. But the thing I keep bringing up, because that gets brought up to me, because uh, a lot of people here that I talk to every night want to peg them in to win the division, want to peg them in you know, to be way better because of the manager change. And I'm like, look, I, and I was a Gabe Kalper guy. I thought he was, I, I think he's going to be a good manager one day. But I, I, you know, I said when, it, when they made the change, Girardi ended up here, I said, they upgraded. Girardi is a better, more polished manager than Gabe Kalper. This is, this is good for the Phillies. But I was like, look, he's not a magician. He's, he's a baseball manager. And people will say, well, he's great at the bullpen. And I say, yes. But the one thing we all have to acknowledge, and you, you did it there. I mean, I, I think back to his Yankee days, and it was a lot of times he went to the mound and he, he could call on Rivera or Robertson or Soriano or Patances or Chapman. And none of those guys is here. I mean, he has nobody like those guys. I well, think Robertson is, is actually pretty, there. Well, you're right. Um, he's hurt, and he's not ready yet. He, yeah. he literally is here, though. You're right. Um, and it'd be a big boost if he can come back maybe late August, early September, but I don't know. But no, no one of that caliber, I should say, is any, you know, even like a younger Robertson, is here ready for Girardi to call on. So I, I think he'll mix and match the right way, but I, I, I don't know if these guys can get out to big spots. Right, yeah, and that and that's tough. But it's always a thing. It's like, well, if it breaks right for sixty games, then they're in a they're then they're in a prime spot because it the offense I think is going to hit. I think they're going to score runs, and and I in a sixty game season, if you're you're scoring runs, you're going to be in position to win a lot of games. They are. I, I envision a lot of six to five games where, or you know, it's, it's six five, six four in the seventh inning, and Girardi's got to try to navigate the last eight or nine outs. And, and if he does it most nights, yeah, I think they're going to be above 500 and be right there. And if they have a week or so where the bullpen has injuries or Hector Nett struggles, then, then that, that's going to swing it. It's, they feel to me a little bit like, um, obviously not as good pitching, but like the way the nationals were last year, where at the deadline, the whole thing was they, they need a couple of relievers because they had a good offense. They had excellent starting pitching that team. But their bullpen was just horrendous. And their GM got a couple guys, and obviously we saw what happened. They got to October. They won it. I feel like a month or whatever it is, August 31st, GM Matt Klintak here, he's, he's going to be trying to find a reliever or two on the, on the market. And maybe, maybe Robertson coming back is one of those guys. Mm. Yeah, the trade deadline being um, basically a month into the season, and then um, it's a ha- essentially the halfway point, more or less, is, uh, is going to be interesting with what teams do it's like do teams treat this like a normal trade deadline are they willing to trade prospects for a shortened season championship i i think most teams would be but there there might be some teams that don't want to take that risk yeah and then you think about the kind of buyers versus sellers and, and what kind of market it'll be i mean in only 35 games or whatever it'll be how, how many teams are definitely out of it by that point where you know they they wake up and they say okay we're done like Seven, right? Six, you know, Miami, so that, Baltimore. So that, like you, we already know who they're going to be. <laughs> it's like right, and so so here's the problem, and that, that means you have 23 or 24 buyers for six sellers, and that just inflates the prices. Where you know everyone's got to bid against each other, and you know if you're a team like the Phillies, you're a team like uh, let's say the White Sox and the AL, the Angels we talked about, like kind of pretty good fringe teams, like maybe they can make the playoffs. Well, you know, are you giving up your third best prospect for a month of a relief pitcher to make the playoffs? I some GMs might, but but some GMs might say that's that, that's not worth it. So I saw there were odds um, 
recently released. Most odds have the Phillies at right around 500, which seems low for the star talent on that on that roster. Would you say that's the biggest weakness is the bullpen, or is there something else there that has holes that leads to that 500 about projection? So uh, the bullpen is the biggest weakness, um, but but I also say for and, and I agree with you, they're going to hit uh, and their star level talent is there. But for as, as deep as the lineup is, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, it feels like there's a big drop-off after the top three or so. I mean, Reese Hoskins is a guy that I think is the linchpin to this whole thing. He, I, you know, I've watched him now for three years. He came up at 17 and it's had a blitzkrieg of home runs, like 20 home runs in two months. And I was like, man, they have the next superstar. And the last few years, it's been ups and downs, ups and downs. And he's basically been, you know, a guy that walks a lot. He can hit 25, 30 home runs, but it's just like he hasn't taken that next step. And right now, he's probably going to be their cleanup hitter, him or Jay Bruce. So I think there is some level of concern. Like, if you can navigate as a pitcher past Bryce Harper and Real Muto and McCutcheon, there's outs in that lineup. Like, you can get through Reese Hoskins and those guys towards the middle and the bottom. So. I think that's a little bit of worry too. Like if you told me Reese Hoskins bounces back and he's really good under this new hitting coach and, you know, hits the equivalent of whatever, you know, 35 homers and a hundred walks would be in this season, then I'd feel like, man, they're going to score a lot of runs, but, but that worries me uh, yeah, other than the bull. So how would you rate Harper's first season on that massive contract? Because he, I mean, it's not bad. He basically did what his league, what his career averages are more or less. I would say he was good, not great, and he can be better than he was. Um, I think he's had two seasons. One when he won the MVP in 15, and then I think 17, he had an injury where he slipped on a base, so he didn't play enough. But he, you know, he would have probably been there for the MVP. He's had two seasons where his OPS was over a thousand. Like that's in him. And last year it was it was a little bit under 900. Uh, the one thing that I think was a pleasant surprise last year was he played well defensively. He was a Gold Glove finalist, um, you know, in Washington. Special was last year because they played him in center field a little bit. His defensive metrics, which affected his war, you know, people were like, man, this guy's an awful defensive player. He has to move to DH soon. And that's not the case. And I, I don't think he's very good in right field, but I think he's good, you know, average to good. And that, that was more than people expected. So I think that was a positive. He played almost every game. Um, he played hard, which kind of the opposite of Manny Machado, uh, kind of dogging it like he always does. But I think when you think about the fit, the fit of the city, because the Phillies run on both those guys, Machado and Harper, and, and Harper's the guy that, that just fits here. I mean, people would have lost their minds if Machado kind of, you know, just didn't run a ball out in, in, in a losing season. Bryce busted it every day. But as far as production, he wasn't great. I mean, I, I expect more at him, and I, I think he can be more. And if he's, if he's just what he was last year, I, I think that's a little bit of disappointment. I think he's got to have bigger years moving forward. Yeah, and part of it, I mean, he's the obviously the central figure on that team. They signed him to 13 years. And Girardi was criticized. I mean, part of the reason I think why Girardi was not re-signed as the Yankees is because he did not relate to the younger guys on the Yankees. I think that was like a thing that Cashman identified. So... How do, have you seen anything? Have you heard anything on how Girardi is related to Harper so far? Uh, so far, so good. I mean, it's been this has been weird, right? I mean, you've had a little spring training, and then I mean, it's just it's it's hard to gauge because I mean, literally, like they have to be distant from each other. They can't have face to face conversations. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think they all like. I mean, Joe's. I think Joe's a very likable guy. I mean, he seems like a good guy from 
from all my interactions with Joe, you know, back when he was at the Yankees to now, he seems like a good guy. I think he's easy to like. But as far as that everyday stuff that you're talking about, that maybe part of the reason he's not still with the Yankees or, or was let go after 17, I think that'll manifest itself over time, and, and we'll see that. Um, but it's interesting, Bryce Harper, for as good as he's been, for as you know, really productive as his career's been for you know eight years now, he's run through a lot of managers. And I'm not blaming Bryce for that, but it is it is interesting. He's not new to this. Like, you think about the Nationals, they had all those different managers down there when he was there. And then last year, Kapler with the Phillies, now Girardi. I think I counted it up once. I think he's played for like seven managers in, in, uh, in eight seasons. It's kind of crazy that Bryce Harper can't, yeah. you know, stick with a manager for a while. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I guess I didn't follow, you know, I didn't realize the Nationals went through that many managers while he was there. But, but yeah, that does make sense. That I mean, that's kind of concerning. But at the same time, as an outsider looking at Harper, he's a guy that, like you said, he's always busting it. So from from an outsider's perspective, he looks like he's a great teammate. Yeah, I think he is. Um, he he loves the game. I mean, that's that's why I'm a fan of Bryce Harper. He loves the game. I mean, you know, as far as his personality off the field, he seems like a pretty reserved guy. I mean, he has a wife, two you know, two babies now, or one's on the way. So I, I think teammates respect him because he works hard. He wants to be a, a good great player. And um, and off the field, obviously, you know, he's pretty tame. So I, I think that he's liked. It's, it's funny, his reputation when he was young, like the cover of Sports Illustrated was 16, it's almost like he was painted as baseball's villain. Yep. And and I and I and I liked him. I was a fan of that and I thought of that him like that in DC, but then watching him for a year here, he just doesn't really he doesn't act that way. Like he, he, maybe maybe other people outside of Philadelphia will still feel that way or outside of Washington because he's on the other team, but he really doesn't have the personality of the villain. Maybe it's the persona and it's like a wrestling thing, but day to day he doesn't act like that. I think he's he's very demonstrative, and I remember there's a lot he did in his first couple of years with the Nationals, where he was just. I remember a game, I believe it was against the Phillies, where Cole Hamels um, hit him, and then Walked didn't, him, yeah. and then didn't he steal home in that game? Yeah, yep. And it's just like he was very fired up, which I totally get. I love to see as a fan, like I would be fired up too. You just rubbed it in his face. That's exactly what you should do. But you know how some baseball fans can be. They can be like that sort of emotion should not be shown on a baseball field. The, the anti bat flipping crowd. So that might be where the villain the villain comes from. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely he's definitely new school in that. And I remember, you know, what was it? Maybe maybe uh, six years ago now. And I think this was pre uh, when this phrase became a political thing, but. I think on the knob of his bat, he has like a, a make baseball great again slogan. I remember when he did that. So, yeah, I mean, I can see why he could be polarizing. But, yeah, I think him and Girardi will get along. Great. Well, Yankees play the Phillies a second series of the year. So it's going to be out of the way soon. But um, thank you for coming on. Any, any proje- uh, projections, predictions for where the Phillies wind up this year? We're under with 31 and a half, but not by much. I, I will say the Phillies win about 32, 33 games, and I, I have them just missing the playoffs. I, I just think the, the Wheeler second half thing worries me. Um, Hoskins I'm not sold on as, as a cleanup hitter and, and the bullpen, but I, I think they're going to take a stride forward, be in it the last week of the season, and, and I would say they're, they're not far away from being a playoff team. So I'll go about 32 and 28. They'll be in it. But, but not in October. And is that a success? If they're just competing for a spot in the last 10 days of the season, that's a successful season? Well, I, I think it will be 
it depends how they finish. I'll put it this way. Um, I think people can accept them missing close if they finish strong because the last two seasons I collapsed so I think that would it was almost look that alright they're on the right track if right. somehow they got off to a hot start and collapsed again I, I think people would just lose their mind and, and the blame would go away from the ex-manager because no one's going to blame Girardi you know, if it happens this time um, I think it would just like it would be something about the team people would give up on so I think how they end the season and how they they kind of finish that, that will go a long way to how people feel about it Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, man. Good luck. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.